0: Hello, and welcome to the Recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The Recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to The recap. This is the April 9th episode. Where are we, Annika?
1: We are in Leviticus and Psalms and Proverbs. So Leviticus 6 through 13 this week.
0: Okay. Oh, I have notes on one page, like big notes. <laughs> big notes.
1: This is where we get into the... The Leviticus okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, like the law. The yes, all law. the guidelines. And so my big notes are in chapter nine. In right chapter here. nine, at the
1: very beginning, the thing that hit me is they're, like you said, they've done this whole, they've had seven days of ordaining the priest and everyone's worshiping. And then on the eighth day, The offerings change a little bit because it says at the end of verse four, because God will appear to you today. And they go to the tent of meeting, the whole congregation comes here and stands before God. And Moses says, this is what God commanded you to do so that the shining glory of God will appear to you. So then there's this day. Yes.
0: So that's, I I said painful. It's, I have powerful, this must've been such a powerful moment for Aaron and Moses because like a big brother, he's like, let me. Let me lead you in how to experience the glory of the Lord. How incredible that must have been for the two of them. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know we think about Aaron having messed up so bad, you know by building this cat by mm-hmm. you know creating this calf for them to worship and now got Moses is like, let me show you what it's really like. Right. Like even, I mean, just think about the
1: God's mercy and, and redemption <sighs> in that, that Aaron, like what Aaron did was a really, really big mistake. I mean,
0: he was going to rain down my, fire. Oh, yes. You? Like yeah.
1: now he's the priest of all the people. Mic drop.
0: We don't, like, yeah. we don't have to do anything else. Like that's so incredible. I mean, there's so many things that God can, he
1: can work in Aaron to redeem that and that he can have that level of compassion. I mean, what Aaron did is top of the list, 10 commandments, right? <laughs> Don't have any other gods before me, period. Really? That's not that hard. I mean, it is. But but Aaron does it in such an obvious, ridiculous way, you know, mm-hmm. make that calf. And then God still chooses to use him as the spiritual leader for his people, the spiritual leader.
0: And reveal his glory to him, allow yeah. him to be in his presence. Yeah, he brings him back to the top experience that you can have mm-hmm. as a human. That is redemption. That is and ultimate that was redemption. possible.
1: So one of the ways that was possible was because of this, because blood was shed for Aaron. You know what I mean? Mm. That, that he's, he's following God's guidelines now and bringing these sacrifices to make atonement for not just that one thing that he did, but his sin in general. Oh, and that blood is covering it, which like we've said, fast forward to Jesus. Yeah. It's the same for us. Yes. But totally different.
0: (laughs) One time. One time, one time covers it all for us. And all we have to do is believe in that one Mm -hmm. time, believe that that one time was enough.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Everything we make gods out of all the things and we elevate Mm -hmm. them above God Mm -hmm. and worship them above God. And we and yet, we have immediate access back to him mm. through uh, through blood poured You're out. The
1: same, right, and it's the same idea, like the and con- belief. The right and confession. When yeah. these when these people are bringing their sacrifices, they're confessing, and I and through that acknowledgement of what they've done wrong, and the and the blood covering it, they're brought back into that relationship with their God, and it's Which the
0: same for us. Explains. Why God annihilated Aaron's sons. If you don't know that you're supposed to be confessing and repentant when -hmm. you're doing these sacrifices and performing these, like the entire point of these services that you're performing are for your repentance and your sacrifice. And if you're Mm -hmm. sinning in the very act of offering these sacrifices to me, there's no way to communicate how serious that is except Mm -hmm. to end you. If there's no repentance, there's no confession and acknowledgement that what you've done, mm-hmm. that you even need a savior. Right. Because if
1: that repentance affects our belief,
0: we can't believe that we need God.
1: If what he's given us in Christ, if we don't repent, like if we don't recognize that we're at the very base sin, yes. then there's no way for us to believe that we even, that there's any need of what Christ does for us.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: So when it talks about Nadab and Abihu, their downfall was that they offered strange fire to God. That's at the mm. very beginning of verse 10.
0: Is that how what does the ESV say? Not that. Um verse 1 says now Nadab and Abihu the sons of Aaron each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire. Okay. Before the Lord which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. And this is literally right after. Okay. So just to, this is the contrast that I was amazed by is this is, this is the end of of chapter nine. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted, and fell on their faces. Now Nadab yeah. and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. Come on, guys. Yeah, come on, guys. I mean, thank you, God, for reminding us of your holiness. Like, thank yeah. you, you can never, yeah. We're so glad you're listening to the recap with us. We'll get back to this week's reading in just a moment. Did you know that we're studying four different Bible studies in the book of Genesis this year? We just wrapped up our first one about creation through Noah. The next one is beginning March 9th and 11th. Please come join us as we study the story of Abraham. We're going to look specifically at how the gospel is reflected in this great man of faith. We've made it easy for you to join in anytime. We have podcast recordings of every chapter we've covered on our network, so you can easily stay caught up. Come and see at divecollective.org. I think that was one of the things that really struck me in Leviticus too, is just, and actually it's in the next few verses in chapter, in verse 16, now Moses, diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering and behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron saying, why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary? Now this whole passage, I actually went and dug deeper into, cause I was so, I was like so confused about what was happening here. And ultimately what's happening is that they were supposed to basically have a banquet that these priests were supposed to banquet in this like holy tent, kind of in celebration of what God was mm-hmm. doing for his people. And they didn't, their brothers had just died. And so Moses is like, why didn't you banquet and eat these things that you were supposed to eat before the Lord? And Aaron's like, did he really expect us to have a party with like all that was with what had just happened?" And They had and God had mercy on them for Aaron's response. Like kind of Mm -hmm. it was just such a like it was a genuine response. Genuine, yeah. They had sinned. That's what sin is doing anything outside of what God commands Mm -hmm. us to do. And mercy is not getting what we deserve. Mm -hmm. And so just that acknowledgement that how easy it would be to just think, well, God understands. I'm in pain. Do you mean? But that's sin. Right. And to not be punished for something that we think, oh, God just understands is mercy. And <laughs> mm-hmm. how often I do that with God. It's that whole like grace law thing. Yeah. Know? I definitely err on the side of God understands, but I don't recognize that that's his mercy. Not that's mm-hmm. yes, there is grace. And grace is the things that we're given that we don't deserve. But actually, really what I'm experiencing and taking it's for granted mercy. is his mercy. Yeah. I did love back in chapter nine, one of the things that I, the where my other big notes were is just that idea of how God, I wonder how much pleasure it gave God, or if it gave God a great deal of pleasure to watch the two brothers work through the process.
1: Aaron and Moses, you mean? Yeah.
0: Just for the, just for the purpose of experiencing God. Like he was Mm -hmm. like watching them do this, all of this. That was like, they were preparing to have this big moment with God and whether there was just such pleasure as God's watching them put on the vestments and mm-hmm. do all the sacrifice and all of that, especially like you said, just from where Aaron was coming from and the amount of redemption that was happening in mm-hmm. this moment. Sometimes it's really kind of neat to consider God's pleasure mm-hmm. over us. Anyway. Yeah.
1: That's all that I That makes think me think of that verse it was from a couple of weeks ago in the um, recap or in the Bible reading. I think it was Proverbs and it was something about how everything comes from the hand of a loving father or something like that. Mm. And I think I used it in reference. I don't remember what I used it in reference to. There was something in Exodus. I think that made me think of, but that I think of that now when you're talking about God's pleasure and watching them do these things that he's commanded them to do, for the purpose of relationship with them and Mm -hmm. how much pleasure, like if you think of it as a father or as a parent, like the way that God compares himself in his relationship to us, one of the many ways, how much pleasure it brings me when my kids do something that I know that they know is meaningful to me. You know what I mean? Like they're doing it because they love me and they want me this is what's happening here. Like this is Moses and Aaron are following God's commands with the purpose of relationship. And you're right. I'm sure that brought God so much pleasure to just watch all of those preparations. And
0: that's a really good analogy. I have nothing else from Leviticus. What do you, where are we in Proverbs? We are in 21
1: through 27. Okay. This is pure layout. Like, organization of Proverbs, Mm -hmm. something that I'd never ever seen before. Maybe I just haven't paid attention to the headings in my Bibles, or maybe they're different in this one, but in chapter partway through 22, there's like this new heading and it says the 30 precepts of the sages. Do you have that about halfway through 22? And then there are these 30 over the next couple chapters, these thirty things. That are separated kind of by topic. Interesting.
0: And, I do have yeah. I have a heading that says further sayings of wisdom. Okay. Before chapter seven or verse 17.
1: Yep. That's where it is. And so then there's kind of like this intro and then there, I have listed like one, two, three, four, five at the tops of all these verses. It, it just was. And then as I'm reading it, the verses are kind of lumped together. A couple of them at a time where. Oh yeah. Yeah. idea. I'm, it's like one long thought, but more than one verse. Anyway.
0: Oh, I do see that.
1: Just total nerd. Like,
0: oh, interesting how that's organized. You just have to read Proverbs. And I, I really think yeah, it's way better done in short snippets. I think to, to talk about Proverbs, seven chapters of Proverbs would mm-hmm. be. Yep. It doesn't do Proverbs justice. No, because it's
1: so... It's not one, it's not a story. So we're not following a storyline like we are in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. It's not a letter. It's just all these. Snippets. Don't
0: be lazy. Don't store up
1: right. wealth. One thing I noticed, at least in the later chapters of what we read this week, was a the theme about fools. And yes. just I mean, that's constant in Proverbs, like the contrast between wisdom and foolishness. But that we talked about that a lot, I feel like this week.
0: Yes, I, that's actually what, um, <laughs> so that uh, everything that I have highlighted, I've had stuff highlighted everywhere, but where I have notes is in chapter 26,
1: mm-hmm.
0: verse 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And I was like, that's interesting because I thought that like somebody being wise in their own eyes was the very definition of foolish. So to think that that's even more foolish, Than foolish. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What does that mean? You know, that's a humility pride and
1: right. It's pride and foolishness all wrapped up together. Yeah, right.
0: So interesting. Anyway, that caught my eye. I was like, "Huh, that's worse than foolishness." Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I wrote in verse eighteen, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, "I'm only joking." I feel
1: like I need to plaster that on my walls in my house, because that's a conversation I have with my, particularly my sons. This is like all the time though. I'm I'm just joking. Like no one can, if you do it all the time, it's not funny. It's not a joke when no one can trust your word.
0: Well, even if you do it, well, yeah. And I'm actually, I was like, I actually wrote next to it. I was like, this is a special kind of evil. It's a special kind of evil because, and I think because like you're saying, you can't be called on it. I, as a man, as a woman or as a human cannot see your heart. So right. I, if I'm going to be loving, I'm going to take you at your word mm-hmm. that you weren't serious, but then I'm right. not trusting myself, which is mm-hmm. an important part of our humanity is to be able to know when we're being like hurt. Discern. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we have to be able to have boundaries to know people don't get to hurt us. and Like mm-hmm. we're not going to keep entering into a relationship where we're being hurt. It's very narcissistic. It's very, yes. um, um, it's gaslighting. So I, I just yeah. read that and I was like, that's really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Another one that hit me was at the end of verse the end of chapter 25 was a person without self-control is like a house without, with its doors and windows knocked out. And just that idea that Ugh. self-control is safety for us. It provides this hedge around us. A house without doors and windows isn't safe. So the idea that self-control
0: Actually. So my version says a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls.
1: Yeah. Yep. That sounds much. That's the familiar one in my head,
0: but that's when I think I want to meditate on for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of self-control. I think that would be a good. Yep. I'm going to write that down.
1: In the beginning of 25 verse two, I don't know how it's translated in the ESV, but this one says, God delights in concealing things. Scientists delight in discovering things. Oh. And so this like totally brought to mind a conversation I had with my neighbor a few weeks ago and this balance between science and scripture and that scripture is not a science book, but it reveals God. And then there's like, I, I still don't have my head wrapped around how all of that works together, how science and what we have in scripture line up perfectly. It was a really interesting conversation and I enjoyed it. I don't like, I, I don't.
0: Here's the difference. Here's what I think is the difference. So real science, true science is the series of questions that you ask. Mm-hmm. It's asking a question, discovering, doing some research, discovering something that causes you to ask another question, another question, but worldly science, the way that we actually do science is we ask a question, We do some research and we think we have an answer. Yeah. Instead of asking questions, it's like the buildup of knowledge, which is ultimately. Or we think we have an
1: answer and we do research to prove the answer that we think we have.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so if you look at my translation actually says it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of Kings is to search things out. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but I think that that's that same idea. Is that like they're searching things out to gain more knowledge, to gain mm-hmm. more, uh, to gain more understanding, and and I think that like builds up pride and puffs us up mm-hmm. to think that we have answers to things. And when you think about what we talk about so often, is the mystery of like mm-hmm. He delights to give us mystery. I mean, just go but ahead. also take what resolves. you just said
1: no to abraham and how we talked about how god like every encounter god has with abraham he like reveals a little bit more of his covenant with him yeah so, that's like, all we... that i was
0: reading but, so yeah. in the genesis when i read a psalm in, that's right 25 uh, 25 14 the lord confides in those who fear him he makes his covenant known to them yes asking those questions
1: to reveal more of who god is because really god and science are fully wrapped up together you can't separate them
0: Here's the thing, like that specifically, and even with Abraham, that Psalm that fits with what's Abraham's doing is it's talking about, he delights to reveal his covenant with him. We're not grasping all of God. We're grasping our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Like he's giving us more about him and our relationship, our relationship with him. Yes, we get to know more of his character, but to think that we know more of his character and our relationship with him is going deeper means that we grasp God The mystery of God Mm -hmm. is prideful. The whole point is that we should be able to come to Scripture and go, and so there are things that we just have to say. It's to glory. It's the glory of God to conceal things.
1: It's what it's what makes Him God.
0: Like we could just say that over and over again every time we come to that place. Like it's the glory of God to conceal things. All right, and then wanting
1: to flip to the New Testament. It's weird not being in the New Testament right now. It is.
0: think what i really love about psalms and proverbs in general reading through them this time is that i'm just i'm not really reading to take notes i'm really more reading to take it in immersing yourself
1: in the word yeah
0: yeah just the psalms are just written so for us Mm -hmm. for worship all of his word is worth studying but
1: so the very first one we read psalm five at the very beginning echoed stuff that we read in Leviticus this week, listen, God, please pay attention. Can you make sense of these ramblings, my groans and cries, which that phrase right there made me think of, we know that Jesus and the spirit, those are two things they do. Those are things they each do for us is interpret our prayer when we have, you know what I mean, with groanings that can't even be uttered. But then it says, King God, I need your help. Every morning, you'll hear me at it again. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on your altar and watch for fire to descend. And that's what just happened in Leviticus. They put all this stuff on the altar and God mm. sent fire from heaven. And so, I mean, David knows all of that. And thinking about how, how well David knew scripture and how he used that as he's writing. And his in his worship, he used what he knew about God in this Old Testament that he's part of while he wrote to worship.
0: So it makes me wonder in verse three, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch, is that, is he talking about just his worship, his morning worship, or is he actually going to sacrifice? I don't know. I mean, he's the king. It's very possible that he's preparing a sacrifice and bringing Mm -hmm. it in the morning before he does anything else. Mm -hmm. Either way, I think one of the things that... uh, In my own personal devotion time, as I was studying Abraham and his hospitality that he offered those three sojourners was God, was that hospitality toward God. Just thinking about like how he recognizes his presence and he goes to do all the things as quickly as he can to love him. I think that's what that makes me think of is in the morning, you hear my voice in the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch.
1: Well, verse seven and eight, I don't know how it's translated there, but it says, here I am, your invited guest. It's incredible. I enter your house. Here I am prostrating your inner sanctum. So like that hospitality idea is now
0: this is God inviting David into his house. yeah what's beautiful about it is that it really applies to us as we sacrifice and worship in spirit and truth. Mm -hmm. It's that it's all the same. It echoes that
1: living sacrifice idea that Paul talks about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. I love that,
1: man. Okay. In seven verse eight ish, maybe he's using this courtroom analogy and he's talking about how he's been a David's been accused and he says, take your place on the bench, reach for your gavel, throw out the false charges against me. I'm ready, confident in your verdict, innocent. I think David's talking about like really specific circumstances in his life, but this is the gospel right here. You know, like not innocent necessarily, like we're not declared innocent, but we're, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: This is actually, this is why I have it highlighted because we've talked about this before, how we see ourselves. And that's what I loved about it. That's why I highlighted it. I was like, even David seemed to confirm that it was okay to suspect a righteous heart before God. I'm presenting myself like, you know, my heart, this is what we talk about. You know, like we are wretched Mm -hmm. in Christ. We are made righteous and that's what he sees. And so I think that's, but that David knew this. Yes. During the time of sacrifice is why he's a man after God's own heart because Mm -hmm. David knew before we were made righteous in Christ that he was made righteous in Christ through his belief that Mm -hmm. God is who he says he is. Because that's the same thing with Abraham. Abraham was made righteous through his faith in that God was who he says he was because Abraham was not perfect. He was not righteous in perfection, Mm -hmm. nor is David righteous in perfection as we will see, but he's Mm -hmm. righteous in his faith that God is who he says Mm -hmm. he is and that the acts of sacrifice that he does are acts of worship, but it's, it's God who makes him righteous. It's God mm-hmm. who makes him okay. And it's his faith that God does that, that mm-hmm. it's like mind boggling. Uh-huh.
1: They didn't know the details of the promise. They didn't know that Jesus was going to come and walk and live as a man and then die for us. And yet they had faith in that God was going to provide a way, whatever that way was like mm-hmm. God would do what he said he would do mind boggling.
0: Yep. And he did it. He said that to Abraham and Abraham saw by faith what was coming before the even sacrificial system was even set up, like right. the, the sacrificial system was, set right. up. he didn't even have that framework Mm-mm. to think through.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking about the sacrifice thing though it they used to sacrifice. It just wasn't a big there was no because it wasn't I mean, an Isaac, atonement it thing. wasn't right. It was a worship thing, right? Yes,
0: yeah, I think so. That's the way I understand it. yeah, it was a worship thing. Oh, so how that were, changed with Moses? Their understanding of God, like the way that they would sacrifice during Abraham's time was the way that they would have sacrificed as pagans. The more I sacrifice, the more good God will give me it was kind mm-hmm. of like this way of trying to please God. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing in Abraham is that shift from thinking that it was that he had to earn his pleasure through sacrifice and learning that he could have his friendship in faith mm-hmm. and that's what we see all through that's what we will begin to see in Exodus as it goes from Abraham mm-hmm. to Moses and all the children of God we see that worship, or sacrifice has a whole different meaning to the people of Israel than it does to mm-hmm. it's not about earning his pleasure. Right. It's about it's about getting right with him. And mm-hmm. with like you said, with a repentant heart.
1: So I think there were three places. Okay, Psalm 9, verse 4, I think it says, You took over and set everything right. When I needed you, you were there taking charge. Mm-hmm. And then in verse seven, God holds, God holds the high center. He sees and sets the world's mess, right? He decides what's right for us. Earthlings gives people their just desserts. And then in 11, I loved 11. At the very beginning, he says, I've already run for dear life straight to the arms of God. But then in verse four, he starts and he says, God hasn't moved to the mountains. His holy address hasn't changed. He's in charge as always, his eyes taking everything in his eyelids unblinking examining Adam's unruly brood inside and out, not missing a thing. He tests the good and bad alike. If anyone cheats, God's outraged. Fail the test and you're out, out in a hail of firestones, drinking from a canteen filled with hot desert wind. God's business is putting things right. He loves getting, li- getting the line straight, sta- setting us straight. Once we're standing tall, we can look him straight in the eye. So that was really similar phrasing of God, God's job being to put things right. Um,
0: I love the phrasing Adam's unruly brood. Yeah. Yeah. But that's good. All of those verses that you pointed out, like, I think the theme there is mm-hmm. I heard justice a lot in chapter 10, verse 17. Oh, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear mm. to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so the man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Hmm. he really cares for the afflicted Mm -hmm. he cares for the disenfranchised and the marginalized that's the recap we'll see you next week thanks for listening to the recap if you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading you might be interested in joining our in-depth bible studies where we model our version of inductive bible study you can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.